What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the DQ with Damani podcast. This is your host, undefeated cruiserweight and shameless Dominican nationalist, Damani Mater. I apologize in advance for my voice. I know it's a little uh, less boisterous and a little more raspy. I lost it, of course, screaming and hollering my head off during the uh, main event this past Saturday, of course. Deontay Wilder, I was extremely excited to be there live. That's extremely excited. Seems like an understatement right about now, but let's get on with it. After last week's insane fight in Brooklyn, I'm super excited to get you guys up to speed on the whole experience, as well as each fight on the card. We've got a lot to cover, including the return of Lomachenko, Spence versus Crawford updates, and all the spicy details regarding Tank and Ryan Garcia's highly anticipated 135-pound super fight. I've also got some cool stuff regarding meeting other fighters post-event. This past Saturday, I was blessed with the opportunity to watch Deontay Wilder take on Robert Hellenius live in the new mecca of boxing, my home, Brooklyn, New York. I came in from Queens, so of course I had a little bit of building tension rolling up to the Barclays Center, and being back there did not disappoint, not one bit. After already being there to see Gervonta, Tank Davis, and Broly Romero go to war, the air felt even more charged when I stepped in to witness the power and speed of Deontay Wilder, as well as the defensive demolition show Caleb Plant put on. Of course, we arrived in time to see Michelle Rivera destroy his opponent within eight rounds, very shocked by his performance. Right now, the lightweight titles are all locked up by Devin Haney and Gervonta Davis, but Rivera has decided to chase after Davis. As of the September 2022 rankings, Michelle Rivera is ranked number three, putting him in a solid position to be chosen for a future opponent should Tank and Ryan follow through on their fight. Rivera folded his opponent like a lawn chair in the eighth and final round of his match after an impressive assault to the body throughout each set of three minutes. Of course, like I told everybody, Caleb Plant obliterated Anthony Durrell with an excellent display of defensive footwork, body and head movement, opposite a precision punching plan that had him on the ropes most of the fight. Anthony Durrell's corner did an excellent job gauging Caleb Plant's jab. Being there live near the front row gave me full view of Durrell reacting with the left hook each time Caleb threw his own jab. In an ironic turn of events, Caleb Plant delivered a crisp left hook to the body and then doubled up with a nuclear left hook to put Anthony Durrell to sleep. With this fight behind him, one can only ask, what's next for Caleb Plant? David Benavidez, Jamal Charlo, and even Triple G, if we really want to put his name up there, are all in the air for Tennessee's boxing titans. The super middleweight titles are still held by Canelo Alvarez, meaning that Caleb's rematch may have to wait, or he could always fight David Benavidez for his WBC interim super middleweight world championship. The same could now be said of Deontay Wilder, who dropped his notorious straight right hand to cleanly freeze Robert Hellenius on the canvas in the all right, next up, we've got some news regarding Terrence Bud Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. This mega fight has been on the radar for quite some time now, a couple years. We've got the unified champion now just finished up against Jordanis Ugas in a exciting title matchup. Errol Spence Jr. looking to take on Terrence Bud Crawford this November 19th, but Steven Espinoza, the head of Showtime Sports, had to come out and deny claims that the Spence versus Crawford negotiations came to a halt. This was a pretty heavily rumored on social media. Nobody really came out and confirmed it. So, of course, Stephen doing his job here. 
denying these rumors. On October 11th, ESPN reported that the matchup was in a quote-unquote critical stalemate, jeopardizing the chances of the premier boxing champion Stable and ESPN coming together to make this Hall of Fame-level fight possible. ESPN and PBC have had Terrence Crawford in the main spotlight before against my Mount Rushmore GOAT, Showtime Sean Porter, which goes to show that it's not impossible for the two promotional platforms to work together, but the greed of the boxing business hurts the chances of legacy building fights being made. Like I mentioned last week, divisions get held up, crippling the number of beneficial opportunities for fighters. The longer Spence, Crawford, Al Heyman, and Bob Arum take to make this fight, the longer the division will be choked out by the belts being occupied. There's a similar situation happening right now at super middleweight, 168 pounds with Canelo Alvarez. The relieving part about all of this is that both Spence and Crawford are planning on moving up in weight after this fight, meaning guys like Brandon Lee, Connor Ben, Jaron Boots Ennis, and Virgil Ortiz will have the chance to go to war for all four alphabet belts in the future. Lomachenko has another date with the squared circle on October 29th. Hope you guys are tuning in for this one. The former undisputed lightweight champion of the world is scratching at the glass ceiling of the lightweight division, hanging in the background of the title picture as the current king, who just beat George Cambosos this past Saturday, Devin Haney, disposes of competition. After pitching an impressive 12-round shutout finish against Richard Kami in December of last year, the WBO Intercontinental Champion is up against strong challenger Jermaine Ortiz. Lomachenko is one of my favorite fighters to study because of how unique his striking is, despite facing some of the best orthodox fighters the world has to offer. He has excellent punk selection. Similar to Willie Pep, Lomachenko has a unique step pattern called the Matrix Step, or the L-Step for short, give, giving him access to dangerous angles that leaves uncoordinated fighters compromised. After an impressive 2016 debut, the undefeated Jermaine Ortiz seeks to dismantle Lomachenko's title aspirations. Bouncing back into the four corners from a unanimous decision victory against former WBO junior lightweight champion Jamel Herring, retiring him effectively, Ortiz has the resume to make noise in the lightweight division right about now. Sitting at a 16-0 record, no one can deny that this Ortiz is ready for another step up in a competition. The real question in this lightweight matchup is whether or not Ortiz can offer Lomachenko a worthwhile fight, seeing as how easily Lomachenko was able to silence Richard Kami across a 12-round stretch. I happened to catch Ortiz's match against Herring. Carrying over his toolkit from that fight will involve his cross. Ortiz's cross is unique because he can throw it in succession, doubling on it pretty similar to a jab. Throwing it in succession multiple times, leading with it in his combos. It's very impressive to see that cross shooting out over and over. Ortiz's cross, which, which really gives a lot of orthodox fighters problems, he doesn't really save his rear hand. Orthodox fighters really prefer to save their rear hand as a power punch to break down the guard or catch their opponent by surprise, but Ortiz really prefers to poke, pry, irritate with his rear hand. This is a tactic that Triple G is well known for, leading with his rear hand to create holes he can exploit with his lead. Destructive power lies in both fighters, so this main event will not disappoint. Make sure you've got all eyes on that TV screen on October 29th. Lomachenko is bound to put on a Halloween special you will not forget anytime soon. ESPN Plus, top rank, be there or be square. Last piece for you fight fans today. We got Tank and King Rai. I know I just mentioned Lomachenko, but things are about to get even more complicated in the lightweight division. Ryan Garcia, the former number one contender for the WBC lightweight championship, has been begging for the Javante Tank Davis fight for upwards of a year now. 
As the WBA lightweight champion, it's not surprising that Tank would consider Ryan Garcia as a worthwhile challenge. Garcia is hot on the tail of Tank at the moment, ranked number one by the WBA currently, as late as September. Tank could always chase a WBA unification with Devin Haney, but it seems more likely that he'll choose Ryan Garcia. A lot of people are calling on Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather to get this fight done, myself included. The names in the 135-pound division are only going to continue to stack up, so it's best that this fight happen as soon as possible. It's very obvious that these two don't like each other. These two have been going back and forth on Twitter, Instagram, every app possible, even Facebook. Hell, if they could go at it on MySpace, they would. Tank and Ryan Garcia do not like each other at all. This fight is full of bad blood. Just this weekend, they both went back and forth with Tank leaving a cryptic message, leading to some believing that this fight is pretty much all wrapped up contractually, but there have been no official announcements as of late. I'm very excited to see this fight. I hope that this fight takes place on the Eastern Seaboard because I will be getting those tickets as soon as they drop. Just before we head out for today, I'd like to touch base with the folks out there on how great it is to see other fighters at these events. It is probably one of the best things that you will get out of going to these fights live. You'll meet prospects, you'll even meet champions. And if you're a fighter or plan on covering fighting in the future, attending events and watching them is probably the best thing to get started in the fight business. I was able to meet two world champions and one rising challenger at the Deontay Wilder versus Robert Herlanius fight at Barclays. And I can say for sure that the experience is well worth your time. First, Demetrius Andrade and his team passed by my girlfriend and I while we were watching the Gary Russell fight. Bit of a brief interaction, not much to share, but it was great to see a friendly face like his in the building. Later, I ran into Andre Durrell, the IBF super middleweight champion of the world. Even though his brother got knocked out by Caleb Plant earlier in the night, he still seemed to be in good spirits. I shook his hand, told him that I was a boxer too, and that I trained out of the new Bed-Stuy Boxing Center. Surprisingly, he knew my gym, also knew my trainer and he even wished me luck in the future he told me to train hard i humbly asked for a photo and he was kind enough to give me one but before i left he told me he's had his eyes open for me and to keep working later on i met frank sanchez this happened just shy of two minutes after i met andre i was walking down towards the train station getting ready to finally wrap things up for the night when i happened to see frank leaving on the street it's so shocking to see him in just normal clothes a gym bag walking with his girlfriend like it's a normal night it was so strange it's like he just didn't just knock a grown man out not even 40 minutes earlier it's crazy so casual seeing him like that but um i called him after my girlfriend and i spotted him and said yo frank and he turned around same thing very nice guy i couldn't believe that despite all of the air of barclays all of the fanfare he was such a, just a humble like individual i told him just thank you for being not just a great fighter but a great human being outside of the ring how much it meant to me to see another black fighter on a television screen in person all over the world putting on shows like this not just for me to enjoy but for the millions and millions of young black fighters coming up in america 
everywhere. It's it's very important that we have people like Frank Sanchez, Andre Durrell, even Anthony Durrell, Deontay Wilder, etc. Putting on these fights. Directly after I shook his hand and gave him uh, my long and drawn out life story about how I started out as a boxer at 168 pounds. He went on his way. I couldn't believe it. It was so insane seeing him just normal like that. Humble guy. Pretty shocked that I didn't look like a Tic Tac compared to him. I'm just shy of six feet myself. Dude's about 6'5". I looked huge. Muscle mass, height, decent. Thought I was going to look like a dwarf. Really. Frank Sanchez, Deontay Wilder, these heavyweights, they, they, they look like normal people on TV. It's sort of like the NBA effect. They look normal on TV, but when you see them in person, they are massive. I'm telling you, these guys, they're bigger than life. Well... Thanks for tuning in. This is another week of DQ with Damani. Thank you so much for tuning in. Another big shout out. Frank Sanchez. Love you, man. Andre, Demetrius Andrade. You guys are amazing.